Hi Church, my name is Charlotte, and today our first reading is coming from Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Hi, my name is Lionel and I'm from 6pm Church at Neutral Bay. Our second Bible reading today is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. I'll give you a moment to turn there in your Bible and follow along. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be filled with the Spirit. That's our verse for today. Ephesians 5 verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. Just those five words. But I believe that those five words will be life-changing for people today. A.W. Tozer said this. Reading and experiencing are two quite different things. It's one thing to read about being filled with the Spirit. 
quite another to experience his mighty filling. The Holy Spirit who radically changes our life to one of adoring wonder and amazement at the things of God. And that's what I've been praying for, not just an understanding, but a lived-out experience. Because far too many Christians are not experiencing that, that deep joy, profound peace that God longs for them. Far too many Christians are not experiencing that intimacy with God or the extraordinary mighty power of God in their life. And far too many Christians are, are satisfied with a mediocre, safe walk with the Lord. If I asked you what's the, the greatest source of untapped power in the world today, it is not the power of the Niagara Falls that generates 4.9 million kilowatts per day. It is not the source of the sun, it's solar energy. The greatest source of untapped power in the world today is the power of the Holy Spirit who's at work in every believer. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And he longs to equip you and empower you to live these joyful, peace-filled, hopeful lives. So when I pray, our loving God and Heavenly Father, pour out your Spirit upon your church right now. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and minds to ponder. As we sit under your Spirit-inspired word today, would you change us, fill us yet again with your mighty Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to begin by clarifying an essential truth. The Bible is so clear on this. All believers have all of the Holy Spirit in them. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. There's no confusion about that. So 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 says, No one can confess that Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. So if you are personally saying Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour, if the Spirit has convicted you of your sin and the righteousness of Christ, the Spirit who worked on you is now living in you, now indwelling you. So please, 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 do not let anybody say you don't have the Spirit in you. But please don't let anyone say that you need more of the Spirit in you. That's the most ridiculous statement. Because the Spirit is a person, not a force. Either he's in you, or he's not in you. Imagine that my mother-in-law is coming to my house today. It would be ridiculous for me to say, I've got 70% of my mother-in-law in my house, but I'm waiting for the other 30%. She's a person. She's either in my house or not in my house. And if you're a born-again Christian, the moment you believed, the Spirit of God dwelled you and entered you. You don't get more of the Spirit if you have a greater faith or greater obedience. You don't walk around this life leaking a bit and then you're top of a fresh injection. You've got all of the Spirit living in you. And I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that or you doubt that or sometimes your life denies that. So please listen very carefully because this is the most important thing I will say today. The question is not, do I have all of the Spirit in me, but does the Spirit of God have all of me? It's not I, I long for more of Him, it's I long for Him to have more of me. Every believer has the Spirit, but does the Spirit of God have every part of every believer? So the Spirit in us, in all His fullness, but we need to surrender more and more and more to His Lordship, and his leading, and his guiding, and his gifting, and his empowering, and his equipping. 
need to be open to all his extraordinary and mighty works and remove all the barriers in our life that would stop him from transforming us. That's what we're unpacking today, four questions. Here's the first question. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? That word filled in verse 18, it means to be controlled by, to be totally influenced by, to be thoroughly permeated by. That's how it's used in the rest of Scripture. So Luke 4, 28, the religious leaders were filled with rage at Jesus' teaching. They were controlled by their anger. Acts 14, verse 35, the Jews were filled with jealousy at the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. Their jealousy influenced everything about them. Or positively, in Acts 13, 52, the believers were filled with joy. Joy permeated their very beings. So first, to be filled with the Spirit means to be totally influenced by Him. And Paul has got a great example it's a negative example, a contrast. Look at the verse, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's the contrast. Don't be totally under the influence of alcohol. So when someone is drunk, we say that it's the alcohol controlling them, the alcohol speaking for them. The alcohol in them, the power and presence of alcohol is shaping everything about them. And the contrast is, don't be like that, but be filled with the Spirit. Give over control of your life to the Holy Spirit. Come under His power and His presence, and let Him guide you and Him direct you. So we're totally influenced by His power. And we're thoroughly permeated by His presence. It's a bit like when you got a dirty t-shirt and you've got the least stubborn stage, you take off the t-shirt and you soak it in a bucket of nappy sand. You've got to make sure that every part of that t-shirt is thoroughly soaked to get it clean. Again, when, when wine permeates our whole body, it leads to lack of control, foolish words and debauched behaviour. But when the Spirit of God thoroughly permeates our body, it leads to self-control and wise words and godly behaviour. Does that make sense? Being filled with the Spirit is allowing, inviting the Spirit of God to thoroughly permeate every part of your being. It's a bit like this, this glass of milk. This is you and this is the Holy Spirit. When you become a believer, the Spirit of God enters you. But you've got to allow Him to, to thoroughly permeate all of you and so he infuses every part of your being he flavours every part of your life well back to my mother-in-law she's in my house a hundred percent of her but to thoroughly permeate my house I need to say to her there's no no go areas you have access to every room every cupboard every drawer you can go to the attic into the basement look at my computer look at my phone there's nothing off limits that's allowing, inviting the Spirit of God to take control of every single area of your life. Your work, your relationships, your family, your leisure, your thoughts, your money. You're asking for more and more and more of your life to be influenced and shaped by Him. You want to be filled by Him. And when you do that, you, you enjoy and experience God 
like you never imagined. Let's get back to our verse. Be filled with the Spirit, says Paul. It's a command. So God commands us. It's not an optional extra. It's not some good advice like you might like to do this. He says, do it. You know, you're never commanded in Scripture to be baptised with the Spirit or to be indwelt by the Spirit or to be sealed with the Spirit because God does that on you and in you. But you are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And the good news is, if it's a command, then it's possible because God never commands us to do anything that's not possible. So it's a command. It's passive. Be filled. So if something happens to you, so if you know your grammar, God is the this, is this source and we are the objects. God is the source of the filling. He does all the filling. We just ask him and open ourselves up to it. It is a command. It's passive. It's plural. So this is for all people. Being filled with the Spirit is not for those super elite Christians. This is not about a superior class of second blessing believers living the Christian life in a first class lounge with so ecstatic experience of God. Do, do not believe that lie of the devil that only some Christians can experience this deep peace and profound joy, but it's not for you. It is for you. It is for me. If we open ourselves up to being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. It is passive. It is plural. And it's continuous. It's ongoing. The verse literally says this. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Or be constantly being filled with the Spirit. And again, it's not that we leak a bit or lose some of Him. It's just that we put up barriers in our life where we stop Him from influencing us. Or sometimes we need His empowering for a task, or we need His equipping for a command. We need Him to inspire truth for us, or to give us a word or a vision for the building of His body. We need that. We're saying, fill me and fill me and then fill me again. Because the Bible says this, listen carefully, there is one baptism, but many fillings. One baptism, but many fillings. And this is where many Christians go so, so wrong. See, lots of Christians ask the question, have you received the, the baptism of the Spirit? And what they're really asking is, are you constantly being filled with the Spirit? Because being baptised with the Spirit is a one-off event that happens at your conversion. If you believe that you have been baptized with the Spirit, when you believed in Jesus, the Spirit indwelt you, you were baptized into Christ, into his body, into the church, and he empowered you with various gifts for the building of his body. That's why it's so tragic when that phrase of baptism of the Spirit is so abused and brings such division. So indulge me for just one moment. That phrase, the baptism of the Spirit, you won't find anywhere in Scripture. And it talks about being baptised with the Spirit, or by the Spirit, or in the Spirit, but it's always related to your conversion. So it comes seven times in the Bible. Four times is John the Baptist predicting that when Jesus comes, he will baptise not with water, but in the Spirit, or with the Spirit. It comes three times in Acts. Always, always connected with Pentecost. Acts 2 with the, the Jewish Pentecost where the, the people first believed they received the Spirit. Acts 8 with the Samaritan Pentecost when the Samaritans first believed they received the Holy Spirit. 
Acts 11, when the Gentiles first believed they received the Holy Spirit. So the gospel spreads from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the world. We're baptized with the Spirit at our conversion. And it's very clear. This is not a subsequent event. It's not a second blessing that you receive certain spiritual gifts like tongues or prophecy or healings. It's not a secondary event where you have some ecstatic experience. It's a one-off event that you received at your conversion. You were baptized with the Spirit. But we all need to be filled and filled and filled again. In the Scriptures, Peter was filled with the Spirit in Acts 2 and he was filled again in Acts 4. Paul was filled with the Spirit in Acts 9. He was filled again in Acts 13. Now call me greedy. I don't want to be filled just once. I don't want just a second blessing. I want a third blessing, a fourth blessing, a fifth blessing, a hundredth blessing. I want to be filled, 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 and filled again. That's what I'm praying for. This is the kind of thing I pray for. Something like this. Spirit of the living God, fill me again. Spirit of the living God, equip me for that particular task today. Spirit of God, gift me. Give me those gifts of the Spirit that I long for. Healing, hospitality, tongues, prophecy, teaching, administration. I'm able to do all that, God, not for my glory, but for your glory. Spirit of God, empower me to serve in ways I never expected or imagined. Spirit of God, fill me, so inspire me to see things in your word I've never seen before. Prod me, prompt me, strengthen me. Spirit of God, fill me so I experience the depth of joy and peace and victory and freedom. Here I am, Lord, open to your work. Spirit of God, fill me yet again. Do you ever pray like that? Maybe, just maybe, that's why so many Christians are living this mediocre, safe Christian life. Are we saved? For sure. Do we have the Spirit? For sure. But when you open yourself up to being filled with the Holy Spirit, when you invite him to have all of you, don't be surprised by what God does in your life. You, know, you have this, this new spiritual fervor and expectation of what God will do in and through you. And you begin to pray these big, bold prayers, not small, safe prayers, because your God can do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. And you start to live with this greater dependency on him, on this, this spiritual awareness where you see everything through his eyes. And you start to fight your sin, not in your strength and your power, but in the mighty power and strength of the Holy Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit is being totally influenced by him and thoroughly permeated by him. Question two. What stops us being filled with the Spirit? What are the blockages? There are two phrases in the scripture which are so sad. One is quenching the Spirit. It comes in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Here it is. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. I'll talk more about prophecy next week. But God's Spirit longs to teach us and train us and correct us, and illumine the scriptures to us. So we sit under his word, and he prods us and says, forgive that person. And we say, no, I don't want to. We're quenching him. 
When we sit under the word and he says, pursue peace, and we say, I don't want that, we're quenching him. When the word says, I will strengthen you, and you're saying, I can do it in my strength, you're quenching the spirit. When he gives you a word of prophecy about your identity or your worth or patience and suffering, and you say, I don't like that, I don't want that, you are quenching the spirit. Like little children say, I don't like it, and I'm not listening. It's possible to quench the spirit. It's possible to grieve the spirit. That's the word used in Ephesians 4, verse 30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That word is, is a love word. We grieve people that we love. And God loves us and he's grieved, he's saddened when our behavior doesn't align with the Spirit's work in our life. That's what verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. It's really difficult for the Spirit of God to keep filling you if you are living a persistent, godless life. That's what's tragic about the Corinthian church, the saddest, most tragic church in the Bible. They're so gifted by God with all these extraordinary gifts, but instead of being filled with the Spirit, they are fighting and being factious and divisive. They're grieving the Spirit. So we quench the Spirit when we don't do what He tells us to do. And we grieve the Holy Spirit when we do the things He doesn't want us to do. Other blockages are our skepticism or self-sufficiency. And we're skeptical about all this Spirit stuff. It's almost like when we're born again, that's the supernatural bit, but after that it's all down to us, thank you very much. And so we try to fight our sin or put to death our sin by our power rather than by the Spirit's power. Perhaps that's why we've got Christians who, uh, they've got their gifts are being underused and the fruit is absent. There's no zeal for godliness. There's no expectation of what God might do. There's a, a mundane devotional life and a dutiful prayer life. It's sad. I call them pilot-like Christians. You know the pilot light on your hot water system? The pilot light is always on. It's always there. There's just no heat in it. Many Christians, the Spirit's always there in them. There's just no heat in their life because they're quenching the Spirit and they're grieving the Spirit. Question three. How can we be filled with the Spirit? How can we be filled with the Spirit? Because there's no neat formula. You don't need to go to a certain conference or have some amazing experience. It's really very simple. Three A's that you acknowledge your need. Just recognize the need to be filled. Say to God, I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I have a living relationship with you, God, and I want you to display more of your glory and your power in my life. I need that, God. So acknowledge the need. Admit your sin. Confess and repent of your sins. Because your sins will block the work of the Spirit. It's, it's impossible for the Spirit of God to keep on filling you if you've got this hard heart, clogged arteries full of sin. Confess them. If you're struggling to know what your sins are, just ask those closest to you and they'll tell you in a flash. So acknowledge your need, admit your sins, and just ask. Ask God to fill you. It's not hard. Say, fill me. That's what Jesus said in Luke 11, when he just talked about the Lord's Prayer, he says this, 
Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, listen carefully, give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So when you ask him, when you yield yourself to him, you surrender your life to him and say, Spirit of God, show me what to do, where to go, empty me of my self-love and self-power, give me eyes to see spiritual truths and a heart for those around me who will empower me. Just ask him. Check your motives. You don't ask for a filling of the Spirit because you want to look good. You ask for a filling of the Spirit because you want Jesus to look good. And keep asking. Ask and ask and ask and ask again. Every morning, every moment, every meeting, every ministry, saying, fill me, Holy Spirit. I love this prayer of the great, great Welsh revivals. Fill me, Holy Spirit, fill me. More than fullness I would know. I am the smallest of thy vessels, yet I much can overflow. And Billy Graham says, we must make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit, so when he fills us, we become vessels of blessings to the world, whether large and beautiful in great service, or small and unnoticed by other people. That's the how knowledge, admit, and just ask. And finally, what does being filled with the Spirit look like? What does being filled with the Spirit look like? What's the proof or the outworking or the evidence that you are filled with the Spirit? And it's really simple. You'll look like Jesus. Your life will look like Jesus. So it's not about you being blessed. It's about you being a blessing to others. It's not just about you being content. It's you being a conduit to others. It's not just you gulping and gulping more of the Spirit, it's you actually gushing out more of the Spirit to other people. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 5, verses 19 on, which flows on for verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit, here's the outworking, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. So our words are full of words of encouragement for other people. Building them up, quoting scriptures, quoting a psalm, singing a song. Goes on, singing, that's a tense, singing and making music from, the, from your heart to the Lord. A sign the Spirit is filling you is that you love to sing. Notice the order there, you don't sing in order to be filled with the Spirit, but if you are filled with the Spirit, you love to sing and make music in your heart. It goes on. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you fill with the Spirit, you overflow with gratitude and not grumbling. It goes on, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you're filled with the Spirit, you humbly recognize an order in all your relationships. Your parents, your spouse, your work colleagues, everything changes. When you're filled with the Spirit, listen carefully, you are full of wisdom and full of joy and full of thanks and full of humble service. It's the most wonderful, the most extraordinary experience that you're daily, every moment, asking to be filled and filled and filled and filled again. It is not some emotional high. It's not some insane, out-of-control experience. It's simply this, being totally influenced by the Spirit of God, thoroughly permeated by the Spirit of God, and allowing the Spirit of God to shape every part of you so church, come on. Keep on being filled with the Spirit.
It's not an optional extra, it's, it's intended for all, needed by all, available to all. And when you grasp this and experience this, it will totally transform your life. We get to live these Jesus-centered, Jesus-magnified lives, full of joy, full of peace, and full of hope, because we're full of the Holy Spirit. So let me pray. We simply pray, Spirit of God, would you fill us again? Empower us, equip us for everything we need. Here we are, all of us, take our lives, Lord, that all of our lives we live for your glory. Fod us and prompt us in those areas of our life that we, we are grieving you or we're quenching you, Lord. Rid us of those things. Make us open to your extraordinary, mighty, powerful work of your powerful spirit. It's in Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. One of the ways we express the mighty work of the Spirit in my life and in your life, in all of our lives, is by expressing the unity that he brings. And churches throughout the ages have done that through the Lord's Supper, through communion. So now's the time to grab your, your juice or your bread or your wine. Let me just read some words from the prayer book. We thank you, our Father, in your love and mercy. You gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for our salvation. By the offer of himself once and for all time, Jesus made a full, perfect and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world and commanded us to continue in remembrance of his precious death until his coming again. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and when he gave him thanks, he broke it he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, Jesus took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Friends, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God living in you, let's take the bread together. So the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance of Christ died for you, and feel him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance of Christ's blood we shed for you and be thankful. Let's pray. Lord and Heavenly Father, in your loving kindness, accept our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Grant that by the merits and death of your Son, Jesus Christ, through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of our sins and all other benefits of his suffering. With gratitude for all your mercies, we offer ourselves to you now as a living sacrifice through Jesus Christ our Lord. So send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and your glory.